Hey, welcome to the Kingdom Church Podcast. We're so glad you could join us. You're listening to a brand new message. So whatever you're doing, wherever you are, sit back, relax. Here it is. This morning. All right. Amazing. You guys ready? Mark chapter 2. It says, a few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. You guys feeling that this morning? Come on, somebody. And he preached the word to them. What a scene. You you guys have heard me preach. Imagine Jesus preaching the word. Packed house. Some man came bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. And since they could not get to Jesus, because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it. And then they lowered the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. I want to call uh, our message today appropriately titled, Make Room. Make Room. Come on, can we clap our hands this morning? Here's, here's what I need you to do. As you take your seat, look to the person next to you, make awkward eye contact, and say, say, I might not see you next week. Can you do that? Say, I might not see you next week. Take a seat. Take a seat. Come on. Can we put our hands together this morning? Amazing, amazing. Uh, hey, as, as we find our, our seats this morning, my name is Harrison, uh, and I have the privilege and the honor of leading here at this church with my wife, Christy. And hey, if we haven't met you, we're so excited to meet you, and we just can't uh, yeah, wait to get to know you. So before I get into the word, I want to let you guys know something super important. On Friday, the fall version of the Kingdom Church merch line dropped. Anyone see the merch drop on Friday? So this week, if you want to get in on Kingdom Church merch, you need to order. We call it pre-order, but it's really just order. If you want merch, you got to order this week. Good news, Iona, who is leading worship. Can we put our hands together for Iona? She, she designed all this merch, and so she's going to be taking orders after service out back in the front with an iPad. So if you want some of that merch, do it this week. If you did not know why we do merch, it's not just to rep our church, but it is to be a conversation point that hopefully brings someone far from God to him. We're just believing someone's going to see that dove on the back of the hoodie and say, hey, that looks really cool. Where's that from? Oh, it's from Kingdom Church. Oh, what's Kingdom Church? Oh, come check it out. In faith... That's going to happen. Can I get an amen in the, in the building today? Okay, let's get into the room. So, into the, into the word. We're in the room already, hopefully. Uh, as uh, I got you to sit down, I told you to say to the person next to you, I might not see you next week. And the reason I said that was not because I think you're nominal Christians, although some of you are. Um, the, reason, <laughs> the reason that I said that was because next week we're moving to two services. Nine o'clock. Come on, you can, yeah, you can make some noise in the place. 
At nine o'clock for the holy people. <laughs> 11 o'clock for those of you guys that need the Lord. Uh, 9 a.m. and 11 next week. So you show up at 10 next week, super awkward. 9 a.m., 11, and for those of you guys that, that know, we did two services in the spring, a uh, little bit different this time. We're going to have kids' programs at both, 9 and 11. Come on, somebody. We're making room. So I'm really excited. Today is the first weekend of September. Uh, for some of us, maybe that's dread. But for me, super excited because for us here at church, uh, there's just so much stuff that goes down. If you, if you are a subscriber to our church email, if not, fill out a connect card. But you'll see, September is jam-packed. We got stuff going on every single week. Uh, our five-year anniversary party. Come on, did you guys see that? Like, it's going to be amazing. Uh, we have 21 days of prayer. Uh, we have, what, what else? We have two services coming. Kingdom Cruise are launching. Just so much stuff. But one of the things that I love to do most in September, my favorite thing that we do in September is we share vision. Now, in two weeks, September 17th, 9 and 11, uh, we have Vision Sunday. And on Vision Sunday, I'm going to share the word that I believe God has given us here at Kingdom Church that is going to propel us into the next season. But even before Vision Sunday, I just felt like today, um, and probably next week as well, I want to just share vision, vision for this church, vision for where I believe God is leading us as a people. And one of the things that I want to do today is I want to give a little vision behind why we're going to two services. Now, if you have eyes this morning, you're probably like, yeah, I can, I can see why. But I want to go a little bit deeper because it's more than just because of the people. Like, there's, there's more, and that's where I want to go this morning. I want to give vision, and I want to talk about where I believe God has taken us as a church. And I'm just super excited to do that. And so what I want to do in order to share this vision is I want to break down a story found in Mark chapter 2, and I want to speak from the subject of make room. Make room. So if you're, if you're a note-taking people, make room is what I want to talk about today. So before we get back into the Word, I'll give a little context to where we are in the Gospel of Mark. So uh, Jesus, uh, and this is found in the New Testament. That's where we are, New Testament, Gospel of Mark. If you're new to the Bible, the Bible has two Testaments, the Old Testament and the New Testament. And the New Testament, specifically the first four books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, are all about Jesus, the story of Jesus. And Mark's Gospel is where we are today. And in Mark's Gospel, specifically in chapter 2, Jesus' popularity is swelling. And what I mean by that is that Jesus can't really go places because people are just crowding to get into the place, crowding to get into the space that Jesus is in. And one of the reasons that his popularity is growing is because everywhere Jesus goes, people are seeing miraculous healings. Jesus is healing people. Jesus is casting out demons. And to be honest, if you want to see a crowd grow, cast out demons and heal people. Crowds begin to grow, and that's where we pick it up today. Crowd is growing, but today, in this context, Jesus isn't so much healing as he is preaching. Everyone following? Okay, let's get into the text. So, it says again, a few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. And they gathered in such large numbers that there was no room. Someone shout room. There was no room left, not even outside the door as he preached the word to 
them. At that time, it says, some men came bringing to him, bringing to Jesus, a paralyzed man carried by four of them. Now, the Gospel of Mark is traditionally, um, Christian history lets us know that a lot of the eyewitness details come from Peter. Peter is the one that filled in Mark with the details as he wrote this book. And a lot of scholars believe that this particular home that this story takes place in is actually Peter's house. And so Jesus is preaching at Peter's house. It's packed like through the rafters, through the doors. And then these four dudes come carrying a paralyzed man on a mat trying to get their friend to Jesus. This is the picture. The house is full, jam-packed, four guys, one, two, three, four, carrying a mat. I'm kind of imagining like one in each corner. And there is a man who is paralyzed in the middle of the mat. And they take him. They walk up to the house because they're trying to get their friend to Jesus. Is everyone seeing this? They're trying to get their friend to Jesus. Why? Because they believe if they can just get him to Jesus, if they can just get him into the presence of Jesus, maybe then he will be healed. Four friends are bringing their friend to Jesus. Here's where I want to start today. It's really simple. How many in this place want to be a good friend? You guys are like, I want to be. I want to be a really good friend. Here's my first thought. Good friends get their friends to Jesus. Can I say that again? Good friends, because this side didn't hear that. Good friends get their friends to Jesus. So if you're, come on somebody, if you're in this place today and you're like, I want to be a good friend. How do I be a good friend? I'm going back to school next week. Work's picking up. Good friends get their friends to Jesus. I feel like there's a song in there somewhere. Good friends get there. And you see, the issue is this. A lot of times we're a little bit too Canadian. You guys know what I'm talking about? A little bit too polite. It's like, you know what? Like, I don't, I don't want to step on people's toes. Like, you know, Jimmy, like he's got the candles and the incense. He's kind of into that stuff. Like, I don't know if he's quite ready for Jesus. Maybe in like 2028, I'm just going to play the slow game. But what I believe to be true and why I say good friends get their friends to Jesus is because there is a generation of people that are hurting now more than ever. Emotionally, spiritually, physically, there are people who are just absolutely looking for something. And what if the something they were looking for was a good friend who said, I love you so much that I'm going to do everything in my power to get you to Jesus. Now, I told you I'm sharing some vision today. If you want to know what Kingdom Church is all about, like maybe you're, maybe you're new here. If you want to know what we're all about, it's simply this. We exist to get people to Jesus. That's why we're here. Above all, like we don't come here for coffee. We don't come here for church merch. Come on, somebody. We don't come here to listen to the preacher. We don't come here to listen. to. We, we come here because we believe wholeheartedly that if people can just get into the presence of Jesus, everything can change. That's why we do what we do. You want to call this place home? I want to encourage you to get into the family business. And the family business here is that we bring people to Jesus. That's why we exist. And so these four friends bring their friends, their friend, to Jesus. Now, as they get to the house, 
because they want their friend to experience Jesus, there's just a little problem. You guys ever been there? It's like, I want to bring some of but there's just a little problem. And the problem in Mark chapter 2 is that there's this crowd. There's this crowd. There's this crowd of people that are blocking the way, and so they cannot get to Jesus. Now, I can imagine in this moment, because like, I, don't, I don't know what the mat looked like, but at the very end of the day, four dudes carrying a mat with a paralyzed man, no matter what, it's cumbersome at best. Have you guys ever carried like dead weight before? It's, it's, it's heavier. That's just the truth. And so these four guys, and we don't even know how far or how long or where they came from, but they made the trek, they get to the house, and there's an issue. There's a crowd that's blocking the way for the people to get to Jesus. Now, in this moment, on their route to get their friend to Jesus, they have two options. Option number one is they can be practical and they can be logical. And a lot of times what practical and logical mean is I'm going to do the convenient thing. And so they could have got to the house and said, man, for the, the best thing to do, like, I don't know these guys' names, but like, we'll call them Issachar and Bartholomew. <laughs> like, the most practical thing could be like, Issachar, let's just go home. It's a full house. The crowd is swelling. And this Capernaum, Capernaum heat is just killing me right now. Like, let's come back another day. And, and what happens is when obstacles come into our, into our paths on the journey of getting people to Jesus, it's really easy to try and say, I'm going to just be practical. You know, I invited someone to church last week, and they kind of snickered, so I'm just going to give up forever. But in this moment, these men, instead of choosing perhaps what is convenient, instead of choosing perhaps what is practical to turn around, to wait for another day, they choose faith. Yeah. It says, since they could not get him to Jesus, verse 4, because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it, and then they lowered the mat that the man was lying on. Now, i got to let you guys know something. The Gospel of Mark, if you ever read it, it's the shortest of the Gospels, and it doesn't really give a whole lot of details. Now, Mark is like, it's a pretty, I don't think you would think it's a girl, uh, but clearly Mark is a man, uh, because a woman would never, ever tell this story with this lack of details. <laughs> That's just the facts. In case you thought Mark was like a gender-neutral name, it's not. This is, this is a man, again, maybe Peter's given the details. Because <laughs> I need to fill in some of the details is what I'm saying. Because we have an issue, there's a crowd, and like all of a sudden they're on the roof. It's like, how, how did we get here, Mark? <laughs> like, as if this is common sense. So I got I to gotta just paint the picture a little bit to fill in some of the details that Mark thought we didn't need. So these four guys, they get to the house, they see the crowd. They could have given up, they could have gone home, but instead they said, I'm getting my friend to Jesus. And they look through the crowd and they see the roof. And they said, well, we could bike past the whole crowd if we just got him on the roof. There's an issue, though. This man is paralyzed and they're carrying him on a mat. Now, these ancient houses, scholars let us know, there was really only two ways that you would have got on the roof. It would either have been a staircase on, outside of the back or a ladder. 
Now, I'm just going to assume, I don't know for certain, I'm just going to assume it wasn't a ladder. Because there's only one person on the face of planet Earth that could carry a paralyzed person up a ladder safely, and that's Ryan Mahoney. Other than that, like, I, don't, I don't know how you'd possibly... Come on, shout out to Ryan. If, if you guys see that curtain behind you, Ryan somehow carried that whole thing up there by himself on a ladder because he's crazy. But it helps, it helps with the sound. But like, I'm just, I'm going to assume it wasn't a ladder. I'm going to assume it was a staircase. And so these four guys are climbing up a staircase in order that they could get their friend to Jesus. Now, I don't, I don't, I don't know what the staircase looked like, but this is like probably a sketch like first century staircase, there's no railings, there's no code, there's no nothing. But these guys are saying to themselves, I know the risks. And the risks are like they all fall. Or they, and it, like it's risky. But at the end of the day, they said, we're going to do whatever it takes in order that we could get our friend to Jesus. I know what's convenient. I know what's logical. I know what's safe. I know what's practical. But we have the faith to believe if we can just get this man into the presence of Jesus, everything will change. And so I'm speaking today on the topic of making room. So as people, how do we make room to get people to Jesus? Here's my first point. Number one is this. We lead by faith. How do I bring people to Jesus? We lead by faith. At the very end of the day, if we let convenience be in the driver's seat. If we at times let practicalities get in the way, we'll never lead people to Jesus. And so we as believers, we lead by faith. I would say it like this. If you're note-taking people, write this down because it's not on the screen. I would say we're spiritual people first. We're practical people second. Did you guys hear that? I'm not seeing many notes going. That's fine. You're not going to remember it. So listen. <laughs> We're spiritual people first, we're practical people second. Here's our issue for most of us in Canada who are Christians. We're practical people first, and we're spiritual people second, some of us, 14th for some of us. And we lead with logic. We lead with convenience. We lead with that which is most practical. But one of the ways in which we make room is we realize we lead by faith. When I look at this story in the Gospel of Mark, there are about 10 practical reasons for why four guys probably shouldn't carry a paralyzed man up the side of a building. Number one, once he's up there, how are we getting him down? There's a whole lot of practical things that they could have gone through their head, but instead they said, we're getting him to Jesus, so we're leading by faith. We're going to do whatever it takes. And I just happen to believe that sometimes our own practicalities, our own logical minds get in the way of us getting people to Jesus. So where do I want to go today? A cool thing's been happening here at Kingdom Church the last, really the last year, but specifically the last four or five months, uh, is that our church has been growing. That's not, no one's excited this morning. Come on, somebody. Yeah, I don't know how hard I have to preach today to get someone to wake up. I said, and over the last year, our church has been growing. And here's what's cool. It means that people are finding faith in Jesus. 
It means people who were once dead are coming back to life. It means people who were homeless are finding a home in the community here in Kingdom Church, which is amazing. And so one of the things that we're doing in order to accommodate the growth is next week, as I said, we're moving to two services. <laughs> now, I know that when you look around the room, specifically today, but really all summer, it's quite easy to, on a very practical level, to look around and say, well, look, of course, we need to move to multiple services because there's no room in the place. So it just, it just makes logical sense to move to two services. And to be honest, we've been planning to go to two services all summer. And so for a while, I was going to kind of just let logic take its place. Like these people are smart enough to know why we're doing this. We need to make room. But what I realized and what I felt the Lord needed me to tell you is that we are not making this decision primarily because of logic and practicality. We're making this because we are faith-filled people. And we lead by faith first. Because at the end of the day, if, if you want to know, we could probably like really try to pack it out a little bit more. You can look around and some of you are like, I got one seat beside me. We can fit at least 10 more people in here. Like, why do we need two services? And, and, and I know if, if we're being honest, and a part of why I wanted to talk about this is that although it practically makes sense to move to two services, it's not the most convenient thing in the entire world. Did you guys know that? I know for some of us it's like, man, like I loved this summer because we had like hashtag hot kingdom summer and I got to see my friends every single week and I knew every single week that I was going to see my bestie and they were going to see me and the worship hits a little harder when the room is jam-packed, like there's a little bit of an echo and like the Holy Spirit's a little thicker when the room is full. Like I love one service. And I'm going to tell you a little secret before next week. I prefer preaching once. That's just, that's just the reality. But what I know is that when we make decisions based on convenience and practicality, that's when we miss Jesus. And so the reason that we're making this switch above all is because our heart is that we want to make room in order for people to see Jesus. Is there space today for like 10 or 15 more people? Probably. But I happen to believe in St. Albert there are thousands of people that need Jesus. In Edmonton and surrounding area, hundreds of thousands of people that need Jesus. And so we are not in a place, we are not in a space where we're going to have just 10 more seats. We need a whole lot more. So we're making room. You guys, you thought we're making room. Room. Why? Because we lead by faith, not by convenience. There's a word in here for all of us. If your life is led by faith, you're going to see Jesus. If we lead by convenience, there's going to be times when we might just miss him. Can, can I tell you something that a lot of us do right now because it's convenient? We're dating couples. I hear this one a lot. And we say, you know what? Like, I know we've been dating for four and a half months, but like, they have rent, and I have rent, and so I just think the most convenient thing for us to do would be to move in together. Like if we just lived together, we would save a little money, we'd be a little more like honey, <laughs> whatever that means. 
But what happens is when I lead by convenience instead of faith, I'll often end up in places that I never intended to go. And I, I, don't, I don't have time to preach a whole relationship series right now, but I'll let you know that it is far better for your relationship not to live together before you get married than it is. Now, if you're already living together, I'm not here to judge you. I want to meet you and sell you some merch after church. I don't, like, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not in the position. I'm just, I want to I wanna save us from pain. And I just feel like I felt the Lord in my spirit. I'll let you guys know. It's been three years or two years since we've done a relationship series. We're going to do one, like, the full gambit. So, you guys ready for it? I'll, we'll talk about that later. Point is this. We're faith first. Convenience and practicality second. Now listen to me because there's some crazy people in here who are faith only, no practicality. There's no passage in scripture, hear this, that says park your brain at the door when you follow Jesus. That, does, that doesn't exist. I'm faith first, but the Lord has given me a brain, he's given me discernment, and he's given me his word to let me know that maybe some things that people claim is faith is not actually faith. Anyways, i got to get going today because I really want you to understand why we're going to two services. It's because we're making room for people to experience Jesus. It's not about convenience. It's not about what's easy. It's about finding hope and healing in the name of Jesus. Come on. So these men, they choose faith. They choose faith. And so they climb up. Again, Mark 2, 4, it says they could not get to Jesus. And it says then they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it. So it took faith to get on the roof. Now once they're on the roof, you got to see this, it's going to take a little more work. And so now they have to start to dig. Now, ancient houses, if you're like, how, how are they digging? Uh, basically, like, they, there would be beams that would, you know, span the, the, the sides of the roof. And in between the beams would be, like, this mixture of tar and mortar and ashes and sand, kind of like whatever they could get. Um, and, and sometimes, like, it was, ro- it was rolled really hard and, and grass would sometimes even grow on it. But basically, like, imagine, like, they're, they're, it's like dirt almost. And so they get up on the roof and they just start to dig. They're getting their hands dirty. And so it took faith to get up there. It took faith to make the decision, but once they made the decision, I want us to see this, then it took work. You guys following? There's a decision. There's a decision to move to two services. We're going next week. Once we're there, it takes work. So here's my second point. How do we we make room? Number one, we said lead by faith. Number two, we have to realize it takes work. It takes work. If we want to get people into the presence of Jesus, if we want to make room, it's going to take some work. Now, some of us are saying, Harrison, two services, I don't really understand what's the work. Because, like, I'm going to the 11. (laughs) And all that really means is, like, I get to sleep in an extra hour. Everyone on the worship team is like, I hate you. Um, (laughs) Now, listen. If you don't know who Jesus is, understand this. I want to make it as convenient and easy as possible for you to experience Jesus. And so as much as I joke about the 11 o'clock, if you want to experience Jesus at 11, I want you to experience him at 11. But I do want to speak for a moment for those of us who have already accepted Jesus into our life, for those of us who consider ourselves Christians. We have a saying here at church. It's pretty simple. We say it like this. We say, every member is a minister. We say, every member is a minister. Every person 
that calls this place home, that has Jesus living in their heart, you are a minister. And so one of the reasons we say that when we go to two services, it's going to take some work is because those of us who are members in this place, we're ministers. And so what that means is I'm going to have to work a little bit harder. Because what does it mean to be a minister? Pretty simply, a minister is someone who is committed to getting people to Jesus. That's it. Every member is a minister. What does that mean? It means I'm committed to getting people to Jesus. So what does that mean? What does it mean to minister when we move to two services? It means there's going to be someone that wakes up early when it's still dark and it's snowing and they know I got to shovel that walk before 9 a.m. Why? Because I'm a minister. And it's going to take some work. But I'm going to do it. I'm committed to it. Now, I want you to understand something. You're never too advanced that you don't need Jesus. No, no one's graduating to the level like, if I, don't, I don't need Jesus. Listen, I'm a minister at this church. I'm a minister among ministers. But I still need Jesus. But there's a difference between my life and someone that doesn't have Jesus. In my life, I have bumps, I have bruises, I have scars, I have wounds, I have hurts. But overall, I'm not bleeding out because Jesus has saved my life. But there are people who are literally dying. And for those of us that Jesus has cauterized that major wound in our hearts, our job now is to say, hey, I'm ready to get to work. I'm ready to get to work. And I just love the people in this church already that have said, hey, I'm here, use me. I'm so encouraged every single week. Can I just, can I, can I shout out the prayer team for a second? At, at King, I'm just, I love, I love the prayer team because they show up and they pray over this place. And one of the things I say to the prayer team, I say, you don't have to be scheduled to serve. I was like, you can come and pray every single week. And there are groups of people that come and pray every single week. Why? Because they believe that they are ministers unto the Lord. But it takes work. I love, come on somebody, I love our serve teams here. I love the, my, my favorite thing. Like I love when the people with the name tags open the door for you. I love that. You know what I love even more? I love when people who aren't scheduled to serve open the door. Because they say, I, I don't have to be scheduled. I'm a minister here at Kingdom Church. That's why I'm here, to make people feel like they're at home. But it takes work. Are you, are you guys understanding what I'm saying? Whenever there's a crowd, it's going to take work to minister to the crowd. Look how Jesus responds to the crowd in Matthew chapter 9. This is a different text. It says, when Jesus saw the crowds, he was moved with compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest. So when Jesus sees the crowds, he's filled with compassion. Because what happens is this, as churches grow, as the numbers begin to swell, all that means is that there's more broken people. And when Jesus sees the crowds beginning to grow, he's not cheering. He's not saying, oh, yeah, look at us. We're filling up a place. He says, man, these people are like sheep without a shepherd. So you know what they need? They need more workers. So I want you to understand something. Jesus doesn't say, pray for more lost people. Pray for more opportunities. He says, pray for more workers. The opportunities will come. 
And I just know this to be true. When I'm committed to working for Jesus, I don't have to chase opportunities. Opportunities find me. Every single time, I just have to say, I'm here to work. So as our church grows, as we move to two services, what is God calling us to do? Well, I want to say this. I believe that God is calling you to join our team. I'm super pumped, and we'll see if you guys care, but I care, so you can share if you want. We have 111 people that currently serve uh, at Kingdom Church. Which is amazing. 111 people that are committed to saying, hey, I'm ready to work. I'm ready to do whatever it takes for people to experience Jesus. But what I know is as we go to two services, as God continues to grace our church with more people, we need more workers. And so I was just thinking, like, what would kind of be a crazy goal that we could set uh, for people that were joining our team? And I was just thinking to myself, like, what if, like, by wintertime, what if we move from 111 people serving to, like, 150 people serving? I, I, I don't, it's not crazy. It's a lot. That's a lot of people committed to saying, I'm here to minister. But I believe in faith that we can do it. And the reason that we do it is because there's going to be more opportunities to minister. And we're going to be more, meet more people committed to serving. So in our church, how do I become a minister? How do I join this team, Harrison? Because it sounds amazing. Pretty simple. We say, come to Growth Track. Come to Growth Track. You're like, what's Growth Track? Growth Track runs every single week after service. It's a four-week program where we talk all about the mission, the vision, the values of our church, what God has put in you through the Holy Spirit and how you can serve his church. And by the end of Growth Track, if you want, you can join our team. It's so simple. And guess what? Today's week one. So if you're, if you're on the fence of like, I've been coming, I kind of enjoy it, I like the vibe. Listen, I love you, but if you know Jesus, join our team. That's the next step. We want you to serve. We want God to, 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 to use the gifts that you have inside of you. Now, some of you are like, Harrison, I'm so busy. How could I ever commit four weeks after church? Great question. That's why we created Fast Track. You're like, what's Fast Track? I know, it just sounds so crazy, right? <laughs> Fast Track is growth track, but in one night. And so September 13th, it's a Wednesday, you can come to Fast Track and you can do Growth Track all in one night and then you can join our team. And you know what happens when you join our team? You get to do cool things like this Thursday night we have team night. You're like, what's, come on somebody. You're like, what's team night? It's the best night of the week every single time. That's what it is. Uh, so if you're on our team this Thursday, team night. But, but, but I, wa I want to make that push because as the crowds begin to grow, we need more Ministers, if you're already on the team, I want to encourage you in this next season, it's going to take some work. It's going to be a little bit longer. If you're on the worship team, it's going to be a little bit longer. You're here all day. Come on, somebody. If you're preaching, you're preaching twice. Come on, somebody. But we're doing it because we believe that when we make room, it gives people space to see Jesus. And if people can see Jesus, everything can change. One of the cool things that's happened all summer uh, I want to let you guys know is that our family ministries, our kids' ministries has been exploding. It's been crazy all summer, like middle of the summer. Why has that happened? I have no idea. Except by the grace of God. Now, one of the things that we're doing in a couple weeks is we're moving to two services. Uh, and we're doing kids at both services. And hopefully that's going to alleviate some of the swelling that we've been having in the kids' area. Now, something happens for the most part. When the auditorium fills up, 
everyone's kind of like, oh, yeah, this feels nice. When the nursery fills up, everyone's like, oh, no. Like, we got 10 babies in here. And I'm sorry, my wife and I, we keep filling that nursery ourselves personally. I'm just, I'm just here to apologize. But here's what I know for a fact. I believe that the unsung and many times unseen heroes of this church are those people that serve in kids' ministry. All the way from the nursery to preschool to kingdom kids, those are the heroes of our church. Hey, I don't know if it's embarrassing, but if you serve in kids, can you just raise your hand for a second? If you serve in kids on our kids' team, come on. You guys, look around, look around, look around, look around. Hey, can we stand to our feet for a second? I want to honor our kids' leaders. Come on, let's give them a big round of applause. Stand up. Give honor where honor is due. Here's why I want to honor the kids team above a lot of the things that they do. Is that the kids team are the people that are in the most direct contact with the next generation of people. Now I want you to understand on, on that side of the church is not kids. It's the next generation. And if you want to know what the future looks like, you got to look to the next generation. And so every single person that serves in kids, one of the reasons why they are heroes is because they are literally forming the next generation. And I'm just so thankful for all of the amazing leaders that we have that are committed to forming little kids. And I want you to understand something. I've always believed in kids' ministry. But it's a little bit different when you have stake in the game. Like, I loved our kids' ministry when I had no kids. Now that I have four kids that are going to be in kids' ministry, I realize, like, man, this is the most important ministry in our church. Because there are times when three-year-olds ask questions like, what's the devil? And sometimes it's my own daughter, whose dad is a pastor. Now... The reason I haven't taught three-year-olds about the devil is because, like, I'm talking about Jesus first. Uh, and why would I talk about a defeated foe when I need them to learn about the risen King Jesus? Come on, somebody. But, but it's the kids' team that sometimes has to field those questions. And how they answer these questions shapes the next generation. And so I'm so happy for the people that we have that are committed to serving the next generation. I want you to understand something. My kids, uh, my, my girls, my older girls are three and a half, and they're going to be going to school soon. And I know for a lot of people who are in school, have kids going into school, um, there's a little bit of worry when it comes to, like, what people are learning, right, in Canada in specific. It's a little bit crazy, some of the stuff that they're teaching. And so I'm not going to lie, there's a part of me that's like, I don't, like, I don't know like where or what to do with our kids because like I think sometimes our schools can be crazy. But it does kind of give me vision because like I have this thing in my head where I'm like, what if like through the church, like what if one day we could provide an option for kids to get Christian education, to learn biblical worldviews? And I'm not saying I have anything in the pipeline. I'm just dreaming because I just believe so wholeheartedly that the power the next generation has. Now, we, we, we don't have a school, but every single Sunday, for hours at a time, hour and a half if I get crazy, is there's an opportunity for people to impart biblical truths onto kids, which I think is just so, so important. 
And so as we move to two services, I want to honor the kids team, but I also want to say, if you're in this place and you feel like, man, I want, I want to touch the next generation as well, I would encourage you, maybe kids ministry is the place for you to serve. Now, kids is a double blessing, and I'll tell you why. Because not only do you get to impart things to the next generation, and, and I'll be honest for a second. Nursery, all my ladies that are in nursery, uh, there's not a whole lot imparting going on uh, for ages zero to two. It's kind of just like keep these crazy kids in line. But one of the things that you do when you serve in the nursery every single week is you are giving mothers, fathers, the opportunity to come and to experience Jesus. And I just happen to believe that sometimes we're holding kids that if we had not held those babies, there'll be parents that would never have heard of Jesus. And that only happens because there are people who are willing to say, I'm going to do whatever it takes. But it takes work. It's not easy. But when we want to make room, we have to be ready to work. And so I want us to know as we go into this next season, it's going to be a season where we get to work. So one of the things I wanted to just touch on, because I saw this and it stuck out to me. Mark 2 verse 4 again. It says, since they could not get him to Jesus... Because of the crowd, right? Back to the story. We know the issue. They can't get him to Jesus because of the crowd. Now, as I was pondering on this story, if you guys do not know, at the end of Jesus' life, he was crucified. He was killed. And there's this moment where there's a crowd of people that shout for, for this other dude to be free and for Jesus to be killed. And so I thought it was really interesting. At the beginning of his ministry, there's these crowds of people trying to get to Jesus. And at the end of his ministry, there are crowds who inevitably play a part in him getting killed. And so what this lets me know, as you go through the Gospels, and, and I want us to see this, is that every single person who is in the crowd doesn't actually get to Jesus. And when I, when, I, when I read that line, what I also realized was this. There are some people who actually just get in the way of people getting to Jesus. Did you guys see that? We don't like that part. But there are literally people who are just in the way. And as I was reading that text, I had this prayer in my heart. I said, Lord, may I never be the one that is just in the way that is in the way of people seeing Jesus. And so what I want you to understand is this, and I say this with love, but if you are a Christian person and you are not ministering unto the Lord, you might just be getting in the way. Because the heart of the Father is that more people would come and experience his goodness and his life-changing power. And so Harrison, how do I get out of the way? Start to serve. Start to say, I don't know what it is, but every single week I come to church, I am not here simply to absorb. I'm not here simply to take a seat. I'm here to serve. I am here to make a way for people to see Jesus. And this is why. Mark chapter 2, verse 5, I'm closing on this. It says, when Jesus saw their faith as they lower this man down, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. 
Now, if you guys recall, he's paralyzed. Now, ultimately, the reason that they were trying to get him to Jesus was in order that his legs, his body, his spine, whatever it is, would be healed. They were there for a physical healing. You guys understand that? Yet as he's lowered through the roof and as he's brought into the presence of Jesus, what's interesting is Jesus sees this paralyzed man. He sees his issue. He sees his physical illness. But instead of healing him, Jesus says, son, your sins are forgiven. Now, why does Jesus say that? Why doesn't he just heal him first? You see, the reason I believe that Jesus forgives him of his sins is because Jesus has this innate way of getting down to that which matters most. You see, most of us live with what's in front of us. Maybe it's a sickness. Maybe it's anxiety. Maybe it's depression. Maybe it's loneliness. Maybe it's whatever it may be. And I want you to understand those are issues in our lives. But they are not the foremost issue of our life. The foremost issue of our life is simply this. There is a God who is good. And there is me who try as I may. I just, I can't get my life together. You guys ever been there? Like I, try, I just can't get my life together. And because God is perfect and holy and just, there's this chasm. Because God who is holy cannot come in the presence of that who is unholy. And so the only way that we could ever come into the presence of God is through the forgiveness of sins. And so what's happening in this moment is what Jesus is saying to this man. He says, you don't understand. He says, you think your physical thing is your big thing. And some of us in this room, you, you think that one thing is the big thing. But the biggest issue in our life always is separation from God. And what Jesus has done on the cross, and what we see here in part, is he has made a way for us to come into the presence of Jesus. It is through the forgiveness of our sins. And so ultimately, and as this story goes on, because you're like, does he get healed? Read the rest tonight when you get home. He does get healed because Jesus is good. But ultimately, the purpose of this story and why they need to make room and why we need to make room is because we need people to come back into relationship with Jesus, with God, with the Father. And so we say it like this. Here's the last point. Here's the big reason why we're making room. We're making space for salvation. That's it. We're making space for salvation. The reason ultimately and above all why we're going to expand and in the future why we're going to do whatever it takes to make room is because we need to make space for salvation. Here is the reality. There's a generation of people hurting, broken, without hope, without solution. There are people today that are on the brink of taking their own lives. We don't have time for there not to be space. And so that's what we're doing. We're making space for salvation. And I want to encourage us. I want to posture our hearts as we head into this next season. Hear me as I say this. I'm just believing in faith. We are going to see the most fruitful season in the history of Kingdom Church. 
Like what, what, what God has done in the last year is amazing, but I just happen to believe that the former days are nothing compared to the latter days in terms of what God is going to do. And I still believe in my spirit God has called us in this church for such a time as this to be a pillar of hope, a beacon of light for people that are searching for Jesus. And I believe you have been called here for a reason to minister on behalf of the Lord, to bring people to Jesus. And so if you have been waiting on the fence, like I don't know if I should make this place home, I wanna encourage you, wait no longer. Today is the day, come to Growth Track today. It's week one, we want you to get plugged in and we want you to start ministering to Jesus. If you're on our team already, let's get to work. Come on team, are you guys ready to work? Let's, it's good. It's going to take work, but we're going to see people come to faith in Jesus. So right now, can we just stand up for a second, church? So if you're in this place, and maybe you've never had the privilege of getting to Jesus, never seen Jesus before, I've, I've, I've never made that decision, but today, you just feel this nudge. You're like, I don't, I don't know the whole story. I don't know if I understand everything, but I wanna, I wanna get into the presence of Jesus. If that's you today, you just wanna, you wanna take a closer step to Jesus. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Can you just show me your hand in this place? I would love to pray for you. You're just saying, I wanna get closer to Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. <clears throat> Father, you see every single hand in this place. You know our hearts. You know, those of us who are struggling, those of us who are searching, and those of us who are on the cusp of a breakthrough. So I just pray today in this place, Lord, that you would do what only you can do. I would pray that you would just bring hearts back to you. I would pray that you would change lives around. God, I would just pray that people today find hope, healing, community. I just thank you for your goodness, Lord. I just thank you for what you do, and we just love you. We just love this opportunity we have here at Kingdom Church, just this grace that you have given us in this city. So we love you, Jesus. We pray all of these things in your mighty, your holy, your awesome name. Amen, 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 amen. Come on, let's clap our hands. Hey, thanks so much for taking the time to listen to that message. If you made a decision to follow Jesus or you want more information, head over to kingdomchurch.ca. We would love to connect with you. Until next time, take care.